this thing on? If you like rock music, punk, metal, or blues, then you've come to the right place because we like it too. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Soundcheck, the rock and roll and alternative music podcast here at Central Michigan Life. I am Michael Livingston. As always, joining me is Andrew Mullen. And today we got the most special guest back on the podcast. It's been a hot minute since he's back on. Go ahead and introduce yourself, sir. Hey, I am Elio. If you remember the what, like terrible first season and a couple the second season episodes? First season, I, like uh, I was a <laughs> host with Andrew. I was Andrew's foil um, for most of it, and now I'm back as a guest. <laughs> yeah. I, I took over your position as Andrew's foil, and now it is still the fire and, and the ice dynamic. It's too, hey, <laughs> I forgot nothing, about the fire. Nothing has changed since you've left, Elio. Oh you, you, you've you done a very good job. The only thing I could say that it's, it's lacking in a little bit of uh, those nice transitions uh, that I would throw yeah, in there. Yeah. Yes, that's true. You, you were <laughs> the, the Transitions on what the once were, Michael. Yes, <laughs> I, I don't know. Okay, well, here's a transition. We have housekeeping to do. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at SCheckOfficial. We sometimes post on there. Um, you can follow me at Michael C. Live. Um, follow me at Andrew Mullen 4. What about you, Elio? I don't put anything on Twitter. Sorry. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Hey. Fair enough. You mentioned, Michael, housekeeping. Well, I think we should burn down the house and move on to our topic of today. Oh, you think? Elio, see, we got this, man. We got this. <laughs> They're very good. They're very good. It was, it was good. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, if you can't tell, we're going to try to redo Talking Heads if you want the backstory. We had Elio on a couple seasons ago to do a whole discography run and the entire episode got lost. So we've kind of, we're going to redo that again, but you know, Talking Heads is such a huge band with so many hits through, you know, a large span of time. Why not just pick the deep cut stuff you've never heard before. So we're going to kind of do it the, uh, the old fashioned way. We're going to go around the horn. We're going to give three underrated uh, deep cuts uh, for, all of you to listen to. And uh, Ben's not joining us today, who is a Talking Heads fanatic, uh, just because he couldn't make it. But Ben, if you can hear us, go ahead and edit your voice in whenever we screw up a fact or something like that. So You can put in your favorite Talking Heads song, Ben, right here. I'll leave you the slot. Go ahead. Put it right here, Ben. And with that, <laughs> we will go ahead and start. Um, well, first, Michael, I do, I do, I always interject because I, because I'm always interested in hearing the backstories of the bands we talk about here through the lens uh, of, of of listeners, particularly us and our guests. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure we talked a lot about uh, why why we're Talking Heads fans. Although when I, we recorded the episode, I was a Talking Head newbie. I really didn't know their their material before. So since then, I feel like I've had. A great deal of experience with Talking Heads. I I love the band now, as I know you two do as well. But Elio, I would venture to guess, maybe you'll dispute this, Michael, that you're going to be 
the biggest Talking Heads fan uh, sitting here. If I remember correctly, they're one of your favorite bands. If, if that's still the case, kind of tell us why that is and how you got into the Talking Heads as well. Yeah, so I don't know if I'm the biggest Talking Heads fan. I really enjoy their music, but I am not entirely sure of any of like their history or anything too much. So I think that kind of takes me down a peg, unfortunately. I mean, I think at one point I knew about them and what happened uh, in the band, but then since then I've had to make room in my brain for other stupid things. Or more like, Scott Stapp facts, probably. <laughs> like like extra Scott Stapp albums and Scott Stapp facts. Um, like he was saved by T.I. after jumping from a balcony. Um, <laughs> stuff like that. But so, let me see. I think that the first time I ever heard Talking Heads was maybe in like middle school. My mom had bought the live album. I'm trying to think of which one it was. It wasn't. It's it's the one from like the motion picture where it's the, it's a movie where um, he's he's in like a big gray suit. And I'm making sense. There we go. And it keeps inflating. So she had that album playing in the car um, for quite a while when she got it. And I just remember. I know everybody likes to say, oh, I never heard anything like it. But I mean, honestly, I, I don't know of any other songs that sound like Talking Heads. And I can't really find anything else that is similar. I mean, I know that there are uh, definitely bands that kind of try and do what Talking Heads does with kind of like the over-exaggerated vocals. Like they have very unique uh, vocals. They incorporate a million different instruments in there and everything. But I mean, it really was like, I had never heard anything like it and just kind of blew my mind, especially um, the energy that came off of that album. Like, I don't know how much you guys listen to that one at all. Cause I find myself when I listen to talking heads, that's kind of like my default um, for, for a lot of the songs on there. Like it's, it's pretty much got all their hits. So I mean, like, uh, Psycho Killer, Burning Down the House, Once in a Lifetime. Like if I listen to any versions, it's it's off of that album, uh, just because it's uh, that was the first version of those songs that I heard, and just kind of like falling in love with them. And then from there, it was just listening to them constantly. And then I think it was in college, my mom had bought a bunch of Talking Heads album at like a resale. Uh, shop or something and mailed them to me and uh, just I don't know just kind of I found more of their songs uh, and I think I still have iZimbra in my car right now like yeah I mean that that live album Stop Making Sense is regarded as one of the greatest live albums of all time I mean you're talking about energy I mean that that whole thing is just full of energy and, and giving it off from, you know, David Byrne, Tino Weymouth, uh, the entire band, just there. You can tell that they're in that show. That That's the only thing they're caring about in that moment. throughout the entire thing. I love, it's, I love that. It's like one of those performances where, you know, that they, they gave it literally every ounce that they had. And I, I mean, I don't know. I've, I've definitely watched a lot of other, talking heads like live, them playing live and I, I don't know if i've ever found any that are that that spectacular or, or that energetic and amazing as that album 
And and if I can throw my two cents in, I mean, obviously, you know, you know, sure the album is one thing, but you also have a very famous concert film with, with that as well. And like Melio said, he's wearing like a suit that's like two sizes too big for him. It's ridiculous. He literally wiggles it around like a noodle or something like a lot of times when he's dancing and you know uh you know david byrne has just got this crazy almost deadpan style like charisma when he's like going you know kind of like you know performing and it's great um you know i i have really grown to appreciate i uh that album since we first recorded this episode uh talking heads and uh yeah it's definitely probably one of the greatest live films albums ever so yeah uh, Michael, what, what what what's kind of your history with the Talking Heads? Yeah, I mean, uh, filling in the gap with the uh, a little bit of history about the band. I mean, just from looking it up right away, you know, this is a seventy mid seventies band started in New York, so that puts you right in the CBGB's art rock scene um, that would later, you know birth so many so many great bands that we've come to appreciate that just push the boundaries for rock and funk and everything of that nature and talking heads to this day still stands as one of the great new wave bands uh for a quick lineup you got david byrne who we've already mentioned on vocals very charismatic on stage but very uh sort of ominous off stage and then you eccentric. have yeah, eccentric. That's a good word for it. Um, <laughs> then you have Tina Weymouth on bass, uh, one of my favorite bassists of all time. I'll say that right now. Chris Franz on drums, and of course, Jerry Harrison on keyboards and guitar. The first time I heard Talking Heads was probably the song either Naive Melody or Burning Down the House, one of those hits. And I couldn't appreciate it at the time because I'm in eighth grade and I'm here. I'm in like my metal phase, you know? Like, what is this, what is this funk? You What's know, this garbage play? What is this garbage I'm hearing right now? It doesn't now? have heavy distortion and banging on drums. Oh, no, why would I want that? Why, it, dancing? I'm an eighth grade an- angsty kid. I can't dance, no. But, uh, you know, I come to college and I get to know, um, I mean, the if you remember from that first time we tried Talking Heads, I was kind of a newbie as well. I knew some of their stuff, Um because my girlfriend's really into it, but I that episode taught me a lot about the Talking Heads. So now I'm going into this a super fan, diehard super fan. I I love True Stories, David Byrne's movie. I love following all of his projects he's done since, including the album he did with Saint Vincent. Yeah, um, that's a great record. Yeah, I I, um, I would consider myself a true Talking Heads super fan now. But what about you, Andrew? Yeah, I can definitely say I'm a big fan of them. I don't know if I would call myself a super fan like you, Michael. Um, you know, when it comes to New Wave, I have a particularly fondness, particular fondness for the B-52s, which we've done an episode on. I definitely recommend checking that back in our archives. But that's my favorite, you know, New Wave band. Uh, but Talking Hats are great, too. You know, I, I think they kind of like kind of, you know, um, you kind of inhabit this dance rock space and like kind of the art rock scene. You know, if you look a lot of like the big New Wave bands at the time you know the police kind of combined that stuff with you know with reggae and uh you know ska bit as well uh you know b52s they kind of combined you know their art rock weird dance weirdness with um the like 60s you know beach music and uh elvis Costello was basically art rock buddy holly but you know worked um and Talking Heads was the dance rock, and I, I, it's the best way I can put it. And, you know, they have such a unique blend of sounds. Um, and it kind of frustrates me me a little bit that it took me so long 
to get into the talking heads until we did that episode. I know, Michael, you were like kind of there, but not fully. Elio, you were fully there. I was just finally exploring them. I think I'd heard life during wartime when I was like, yeah, in high school and didn't. I remember kind of liking it, but it didn't hit me very well because, and I'm blaming Jello Biafa for this one. Uh, they didn't wear leather jackets and spikes on their shoulders. Yeah, well, it wasn't even that. It was the fact that uh, Jello Biafra did a, uh, the Dead Kennedys did a song called, uh, uh, shoot, Pull My Strings. It was like this famous live recording, live, live song they did at like a new wave show and they totally like destroyed Epically, I should say, destroyed New Wave and like everything was going on, like, you know, uh, you know, like how rock radio was at the time, you know, and how artists were, were just doing stuff for the money. It, you know, a lot of it was I'm not doing the song justice. Definitely go listen to that song. But uh, it, it kind of like gave me this weird like head, you know, stance saying new new wave is terrible. I hate it. Grr. And then later on, you know, I would go on to re- realize, oh, wait, but the B-52s and the police ba- two bands I really love are considered new wave. So I, I, I kind of realized how stupid I was, but I still needed that extra push to get into the talk heads. And that was you two. And uh, now I love them. I think they're a great band. And we're going to talk about some of my favorite deep cuts here shortly. And the one thing I will say, as you will learn for, through my taste with the talking heads, I tend to be a bit of a contrarian where some of their more maligned records are the ones that I actually enjoy the most, but we'll get to that when that comes. So um, do you two have anything else you want to say before we jump into our picks? I think we're ready. Let's talk some deep cuts. I think we uh, allow our guests to go first here today. Right. So let's see. Yeah. Like Andrew mentioned, we're talking about some deep cuts, which are songs that uh, don't usually come up when people talk about talking heads. And I, uh, unfortunately, I think that two of my songs, maybe people do know if you know the talking heads, because I know that I definitely hear one of them on the radio every now and then. So, um, but I will start with animals, um, which is one of my picks uh, from fear of music. So, the reason that I like animals so much is I'm trying to think of a way to describe it for whatever reason, to me, it sounds like some mad fever dream that David Byrne had uh, of him, like him just having like this crazy, like stress panic attack in the middle of the night and um, waking up from it, realizing that humans are terrible thing, terrible Uh, for the world and they're terrible for each other and that's to me what the song sounds like um because the the song is literally him talking about animals and how he hates animals because they shit on the ground they ignore everything they're rude uh they eat and destroy everything is is pretty much that song um and his vocals sound really manic in it where right at the beginning he's uh as he starts singing it it just kind of sounds like he's almost in a panic state uh trying to tell you like why he hates these animals and everything which is kind of funny um and then beyond the lyrics and the vocals i think that the music of it is pretty pretty simple in that it's a a simple guitar riff uh, that kind of repeats itself and drones on 
uh, kind of giving you like this repetitive nature. And then the drums are super simple. And then when the chorus hits, um, he kind of brings in a couple different vocal tracks into it, uh, where it almost sounds a little eerie to me, where like these different voices are coming in. Uh, so I just really enjoy this song because I don't think that I've ever met anyone else who likes talking heads that really likes this song or that will say, Oh yeah, animals. It's a great song uh, or anything like that. But, but it's just, to me, it's really interesting because it is, like I said, it, it's like a manic fever dream that David Byrne had. Nice. Well, let's, uh, let's give it a quick listen. about the uh, manic nature of that song, Elio, especially that intro. It's like, it really jerks you around, but it, it does sort of bring you back to reality with those like kind of bright guitar chords. But I was not expecting right out of the gate, like this kind of ferocity that David Byrne brought to that that vocal passage. Yeah, that's and that's what I mean. I definitely spent some time uh, like like this. This off of uh, Fear of Music, and I apologize. I, I think I called the al- album I Zimbra, but, but the album that I have in my car is Fear of Music. Um, but this song, like, the first time I heard it, it really struck me just because I'm like, what what the heck is he talking about? Uh, and I've, I've definitely, like, tried to find, like, what the meaning of this song is, and I've never been able to find anything of, like, what David Byrne has ever said that there's a meaning for. Um, but that's why I think that like, he's just equating people to animals. Like I think he had like some crazy fever dream uh, where he realized how terrible people are to everything and every one. Uh, and that's what this song is about, which I find really funny. Um, so I don't know. I, I just really like the song. Yeah. So really interesting one i don't know if this is particularly one of my favorites from fear of music but this is definitely a a, a quirky one at that um i really like uh kind of talk about the manic energy of the song you both mentioned that um i think it's in the chorus where like in between his lines has that weird like guitar goes it's almost like the song's mocking you in a weird way it's kind of fun um, yeah, I mean, this is definitely a showcase of the weirder side that this band likes to go to at times. Um, so, yeah, really fun song. Andrew, I believe you are next, my man. Sweet. Okay, so I, I mentioned before that I'm kind of a contrarian with what my favorite records are, and I kind of like to, from the talking heads, and I kind of wanted to um, highlight that in some way. 
uh, here. In fact, actually, my first song comes from the last Talking Heads studio album, Naked, which I know is a pretty maligned uh, record generally for, uh, within Talking Head, uh, within the circle, within circles of Talking Heads fans. Um, and I mean, on one hand, I get it. It, it isn't their most, I wouldn't say it's inaccessible, but it's definitely one of their least, um, probably one of their albums has like the least direction to it. It almost has a bit of like a white album vibe to it. And that there's not really one consistent sound with it, which is honestly one of the reasons I really like it. I know it doesn't make for the most cohesive listening experience, but the collection of songs that are there with Naked, I think are overall pretty strong. Um, I, I, and I don't know, like, I don't know uh, if it's just kind of, me knocking into talk heads later in life, but I, I just something about me always grabs me going back to naked. I know the the album artwork it, itself is dreadful. It's like this chimp on the, on the back of this between like this gaudy like picture frame. It's it's horrible. But um, most of the songs in there I think are really good. And in fact, I actually my first song is the opener to this record, uh, "Blind," which. Um, you know, it's one of the reasons I really like Naked. It's like if Talking Heads went, okay, let's look at other artists and try to make songs to sound like that, but also the Talking Heads. So by that, I mean, uh, Blind sounds like as if Talking Heads were playing on a James Brown song. Like you have so many, like with the horns and kind of the weight and everything, it sounds like a James Brown soul track, but David Burns on there. It's so bizarre and I love it so much because it just, it, it, it almost like it keeps calling back to that to like, oh, this is James Brown, but it's not like distracting. It's not like, oh, this is, it's not like, oh God, this sounds like a James Brown ripoff. No, because it has those talking head eccentricities to it. Um, kind of the weird licks, David Burns kind of odd vocal delivery. Um, I really love this track and I want to play that. And let's see uh, if you guys can hear what I'm talking about. Talk about uh like the I guess like the inaccessibility of this album. It is it is one of their stranger albums. Oh, uh, that's for sure. But I mean, it it is also it is always uh I've I've always wondered why people don't like it as much as their other ones because I mean the music on it those albums fantastic and I mean this like your first track there blind is a perfect example. It's yeah. just a perfect song. I have I have a uh, I have a naked track on mine as well, Andrew. So I definitely agree with you. These tracks, the the album, you see that artwork and you're like, this is the Talking Heads meeting their downfall. They're out of ideas. They're breaking up as a band, and they need that solo um, kind of atmosphere in order to you know make the rest of their ideas work. But 
that's not really the case once you get past the negative stigma. I like your analogy about the the White Album. I really think that could be the Talking Heads White Album. Yeah, it's not like an hour and a half long. No, but yeah, it is genre wise. Yeah, it kind of kind of takes inspiration from all over the place. And I have another uh, naked track we'll get to in a second. Um, we, we, we roll back to to my turn. But one last thing I will say: um, I the only thing I with this track I really wish it had more of like an excitable like David Byrne vocal like vocal performance. He's the, does sound a little flat in the song. I'm not saying it'd go full like soul. I had to like do a James Brown impression or anything. No, but it would have been nice to hear him put a little more energy into his performance. But otherwise I, I think this is a really strong track. So what what drew you to this one though? Like what what's the I, I mean, because I, I remember when we when we were, I, I don't want to keep bringing it up, an episode that never <laughs> happened. But I will say when, when we were researching, when I was researching for uh, the our, our, our first Talking Heads episode we did if, like a year or so ago, I remember putting, putting this on, not, it kind of like not really sure what to expect based on the album artwork. And I know Michael later on said, oh, I, he said he didn't like Naked at the time. So I was like, I don't know what this is. But when I first put it on, I was like, I swear to God, like I was, I literally looked up to see if this is a James Brown song. I didn't know that they covered. I was like, what? This sounds so cool. And then it kept going and it kept adding, throwing out new ideas and new stuff. Like, wow, this is like a really like oddly inspired record. I mean, I don't like everything off Naked. I think this is a song called Totally Nude. That sounds like they're trying to do a Jimmy Buffett track and no one should ever aspire to do anything like Jimmy Buffett because Jimmy Buffett's terrible. But, um, I don't know. I just I just got really excited about what they were doing with this record. So blind um, for just the energy and the kind of the different tone that the talking heads brought to that track. That's what I really like about it. Well, mind if I uh, give my first pick here? Please do. Yes. So I am going to first bring on a song from Romaine and Light, which could be a little controversial because I mean Romaine and Light is. The critics' favorite. It's regarded as their best album besides Speaking in Tongues. Um, both of these have great hits on them. Both of them have such memorable songs. It's really hard to actually pick out a song that's somewhat underrated or deep from Remain in Light. But when I think Remain in Light, I think, you know, Cross Eyed and Painless. I think Listening Wind. You know, I think of all these sort of songs filled with nuance that it, no one's ever heard before, but houses in motion is kind of a little more buried in there. It's kind of, um, if, if someone wants to do an analysis, it would pair it up with sort of the, uh, the filler, if you will. But when you actually listen to it and you actually get down into these lyrics, you realize how untrue that statement is. I, I, looked at these lyrics. I, I read, you know, different interpretations of them. The general consensus is it's about, you know, kind of overwork, um, digging your own grave. Um, you hear that line throughout there. You hear walking a line. You hear um, just kind of working yourself in to a, you know, sort of a funk or sort of a creative just spout. You, you work so much that you don't know how to work anymore. Um, I bet Elio felt some of that throughout this COVID year. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy the theme of this one. I really enjoy the horns all over it. I enjoy uh, kind of the meandering passages throughout it. 
Um, I want you guys to hear this real quick. House is in motion. For a long time I felt without style or grace. Wearing shoes with no socks in cold weather. I knew my heart was in the right place. I knew I'd be able to do these things. As we watch him digging his own grave. That's just what that's top tier song off for man and light and often regarded as the the deep cut which uh, just does not make sense to me Lana, what did you guys think um well i love that song that song is so cool uh just in how i don't know andrew correct me if i'm in the right genre here funky is that that's pretty much a funk yeah. song yeah like it's it's really cool like that whole album they really took they really took their musicality and like what they were doing to to the next level and i think that's why everybody thinks it's their best because they really did take everything that they were doing before and just bring it up uh to another level and like i i have wondered why people always skip uh that song when they talk about that album because like it fits so perfectly with everything else there. And it, it's so funky and it's just like a groovy song that you can sit there and bop your head to for, for the, what, like four minutes that yeah. song is. I mean, it's just, it's because it's followed up by such fantastic work. I mean, the, the four songs you have before that is born under punches, cross-eyed and painless, the great curve and once in a lifetime. So by then it's kind of like, what else do I need? You know? <laughs> Yeah, but, you're just worn out and tired by that. <laughs> yeah, but if you just listen to one more song, you realize that some of the best work on here is actually in the back half, you know, with listening win and the over uh, the overload and stuff. I mean, I don't know. I think Remain in Light is kind of a backwards album. I mean, I can't really say that because Once in a Lifetime's on there, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, is it too controversial to make that point? I don't know. What do you think, Andrew? Um. Yeah, I think it's a perfectly pretty good track I, I i don't i have really much to add based on what elio said i do like you know kind of the funky riff they threw in there it kind, kind of like how mine was a little funky but they took it in more of a soul direction um with like the horns and whatnot this one took it in more of like a funk rock rock direction and i really and i appreciate that they kind of have interesting ideas behind it as well i mean yeah i just think it, it, it fits perfectly within remaining light so and i'll maybe too perfectly to a point where it's almost kind of like overlooked I don't know. Um, but yeah, um, being just really good song. I don't have much else to add. All right. Well, I think with that, we can go back to Elio. All right. Um, yeah. So let's see. My next song, I chose I'm Not in Love, which I am forgetting which album that guy is off of. Uh, more songs about building and whatever the heck. More songs about buildings and food. 
buildings and food. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm not in love. It starts out with a really neat guitar riff uh, that, that you think it's going in one direction. And then there's a kind of like a cut. I don't think it's like a hard cut really, but like, and then just the song takes on a totally different tone and a different path than what I thought it was going to be the first time I had heard this song. Um, kind of like the title says, it's pretty much about him not being in love. Um, and I don't know. I think it's a good song that everybody likes to overlook, especially this album uh, kind of seems not totally under the radar. I mean, like everybody does like the album, but I think this song off of it uh, is kind of one that if you were to talk to somebody, they would have no idea what the hell this song is. I mean, just going off of that, Elliot, what do you think are like the the three Talking Heads albums that everybody should know in that case? Um, yeah, that's... I. Are you not doing like compilations? Because I was going to say the, the Once in a Lifetime. I mean, the... Um, Stop Making Sense. Stop Making Sense is... I, I think that's the one, like if you were going to, if you were going to sit somebody down and listen to Talking Heads, that would, that, that's what I would show everybody yeah. just because, like I said, I, I think it's just on another level with their energy and because it does take all of their hits and throws them on there. Um, but I think if you're just going off of albums, let's see, I, I think it'd have to be the Remain in Light um talking i mean speaking in tongues <sighs> and then i don't know if i want to do more songs about building building them food or fear of music either one of those are are my three albums yes. well i think uh if you got no more to say i think we can hear your song oh yeah yeah let's let's play it that starting wolf so catchy. yeah so so like i said it starts out with that really cool guitar riff i mean the the riff does continue throughout the song but i don't know there's there's always something about it that after if you, if you know enough about the talking heads you kind of just think that <clears throat> that guitar riff starts playing and i don't know i i was just expecting something different from it i i was expecting the guitar riff to kind of tone down a little bit and they were gonna do something different, but I, I like that 
the song just kind of explodes right there. Uh, they bring in everything else. And David Byrne, uh, his singing is right on point for it. Um, and then with the chorus, it's really interesting how they uh, kind of like, like you're, I don't know, you're, you're kind of like that nine or 10 with an energy. And then the chorus, it just slowly brings you down a little bit. And then they just have those cool, um, I don't know, the, the cool bits where where it's just like he's hitting the drums and he's saying something you know it's just I, I don't know I really like the energy of the song and how they've how they decided to do like three different parts to to the song I think it's interesting that you came around to this song specifically Elio because as a person who started on Stop Making Sense the live album that album that whole concert is known for kind of eventually building up to this big crescendo. Whereas this one is kind of the reverse. It starts out punching you right in the face and sort of winds down, comes back up, winds down. You know what I mean? Do you think that's another reason why you came around to this song? Just because it's different than what you started with? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, it it is kind of different from um, a lot of other Talking Heads songs where you... Uh, like, like it's not, not every talking head song is like this, but a lot of them, you know, you kind of have like this level where that's where the song likes to stay. And I mean, obviously, you know, between the chorus and maybe some other things, like you can kind of modulate a little bit, but I think for this one, it's just like you start with that simple guitar riff where you're like, Oh, that's cool. That's really neat. And then boom, everything clicks and you're brought up and then the chorus will bring you down a little bit and then boom, it brings you back up. Um, and you kind of just do this up and down uh, with it, which I I just love. And I I definitely think that maybe subconsciously, like you said, Mike, I probably did that where I liked it because it is the reverse of where I start. What about you? Um, what do you think? I really like this song a lot. Um, I, I won't say too much about the record because I have another song from this album. Uh coming up later in my picks, but uh, I think this song is a, like, is a great riff that just punches you right in the face. Look how fierce. I mean, it's not like terribly distorted or punchy, but it's fierce. It's still in a way when it opens up and it has this great driving rhythm. And yeah, like those kind of like, there's this like waxing and waning of, of kind of the song's energy is fantastic. Um, and, you know, it's, I think overall the song is just, the energy of the song is just one of the, reasons why i love uh this album uh this comes off of so much but again i'll get more into that later but yeah you guys have already said pretty much everything i would say about it yeah i think you are next good sir sweet well um i uh have another song from naked uh might be hearing this sounds like we'll be hearing a lot from this record today and i'm more than okay with that um so i know mine before blind that was pretty upbeat you know, generally happy, sounding song overall. Uh, I this one, no, not not so much. In fact, this is probably the least talking head song that they have in their Tigers Rock. I mean, of course, I'm the one who brought it here today. Um, it's probably the most depressing sounding song in their discography too. Again, surprised that I'm the one who brings that here. I I'm I, I did. I'm sorry. I want to I want to cut you off there because. Like going through all of your songs, I was like, oh, these are cool. And I think this was the last one that I, I listened to. I got to it. I was like, 
Dude, what the hell, Andrew? Like, why'd you kill my buzz with this one? <laughs> well, luckily it's in the middle, so we'll have a chance to build my picks. I'll have a chance to build build the mood back up from here. Uh, talking about cool water, um, I think this uh, is one of the last songs on the record. Uh, yeah, it's like the second to last. And this, uh, along with like Ruby Deer and the Democratic Circus, kind of like, hey, this is like this weird trio in my head. They're not like in order on the record, but like they're not next to each other on the record, I should say. But like those three songs are just kind of like this weird, like, oh, we're just going to be like really dour. We kind of explore almost like a gothic kind of mood and like a depressing kind of like mood to our stuff. I mean, I guess like The Cure. Uh, but you know, I, I, I was building up steam uh, during this point in time when Naked came out. So maybe I don't know. Maybe they're inspired by something like that. I'm not saying it sounds like The Cure, but mood-wise, maybe. Um, yeah, it, it's this really slow kind of crawling song uh, um, from here. It has this really cool vibe to it. Um, I don't know. I, I imagine songs like this one are one of the reasons why people don't really like Naked. Um, and again, I understand that people like to go to uh, talking heads to, you know, bop around and whatnot. And uh, Cool Water isn't exactly the song to do that, to say the very least. But uh, I like it a lot. And uh, I, I, I would have been interested to hear more uh, like an entire album that kind of sounds like this. But that's just me. But let's play it and hear it. And I want to hear what you guys think about this one. That song is a really cool build and you can kind of picture like someone like someone in like an apocalypse movie like walking from like a just des- a desecrated like church or something i don't know i think it's cool you guys probably disagree and that's okay no, uh, definitely not definitely not. I, I was uh, poetic <laughs> uh, i wasn't gonna say that like i like for me that song if you replaced it uh david byrne with tom york like I would have thought that 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 was a Radiohead song off of uh, maybe off of like do you guys are you guys familiar with the the album the two plus two equals five that one that came off of uh, yeah. uh, Hail to the Thief there we go yeah. It, yeah it honestly like if the guitar was a little bit like toned down and didn't have like that effect on it I would have thought this was a Radiohead song and. 
it's a really cool song. I mean, it does have that cool vibe. It is very cool. Uh, you could say it's like cool water. Um, <laughs> and yeah. I don't know. I I really did enjoy this song because I'm a big fan of Radiohead and hearing that, I thought it was super cool. Um, but that's pretty much what I got to say about it. Three things about that. One, love to bring you on for the Radiohead episode next semester. <laughs> Two, it's interesting you make that connection because uh, Radiohead got their band name from a Talking Heads song off of the True Stories soundtrack. So that's a cool distinction to make. And three, like I said, it's pretty poetic that the band reaches this depressive point and experimenting with this totally different side of the, what their sound could be on their last record on the B side of their last record. It's almost like they're just, you know, Talking Heads is poetically just an experimental band all throughout. And on this very last breath they have before breaking up, they try something completely different. It's, it's, it's really cool. And I like that you brought this one, Andrew. Yeah. And then, you know, kind of bringing back to the point I made earlier about this kind of being like their white album. I mean, the fact that blind and cool water come from the same record is, is something to really, uh, I think kind of behold. And it's like, yeah, this is kind of why I made that distinction. There's just so many different ideas to bringing on here. And you, and you know, and Michael, you know, I'll, I'll bring up a song you brought on, I think for our political anthems episode, uh, you know, nothing but flowers, which also comes from this record, if I'm correctly, um and you know that song is kind of weird it's not if i remember correctly it's not like a really like sad sounding song it's kind of like in the middle of the road between sad and happy but like the lyrics are about like environmental destruction basically so i mean yeah i mean they're kind of mashing a lot of different kind of like tones you know and, and moods together and it kind of creates this weird funky thing which is why i really like naked but i think i made that point enough <laughs> I think my next song actually is from Naked as well. Yes, it is. Okay. This is a weird one. And I think we're going to breeze through this one really quick. I, I brought on Big Dad, uh, <laughs> which uh, I don't know how to talk about this because it definitely is a sugar daddy song. Uh, <laughs> that is the theme of the lyrics. Every forum online will say that, but I like the instrumentals. Um that's about it. <laughs> I think we can play it and you guys can give me your thoughts. horns at the beginning the click clacking sound that is a total callback to true stories the songs off there this just sounds like it belongs in that movie uh if you haven't watched true stories i wish ben was here to talk about this because 
he could make a whole better pitch for this movie than I could. But it really is like the only way to experience that soundtrack is by watching it along with that movie. And Big Daddy, this particular song, Off Naked, just sounds like it belongs in that movie because of just the, the soundscape it creates. It belongs like you're, you should be in Virgil, Texas, which is where the movie takes place. Um, Elio, have you ever seen True Stories? Nope. Hey, dude. I'm doing a podcast. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah, get lost, bro. Get out of here. <laughs> no, uh, I, I have not seen the movie, but damn, this is such a cool song. I mean, who cares if it's if it's a, a quote unquote sugar daddy song? Like it's cool. Yeah, uh, it's a, I'm at the point in my life I'm old and crotchety where it's like if I hear something good I'm like that's it I like it I'm gonna listen to it over and over again. What do you you don't need to worry about what pe- other people think about this song. Well, oh, I, I musically that's Michael I like. I don't know if the lyrics make it a little uncomfortable, but you know. <laughs> Musically, it's fine. I mean, it's cool. Yeah, it kind of does. It, it kind of does have, have that harbinger of just kind of oddballness that uh, this record has that I really like. So, yeah, another another good highlight from Naked, Big Daddy. <laughs> Please yes. We'll have to hear the term Big Daddy again. Uh, I'll go go take a shower after this podcast. <laughs> that song goes out to our podcast editor Ben Ackley, but. Uh, <laughs> All right, go ahead, Elio. It's back to you. All right. Final round so, of picks. Elio, go ahead. Take take your swing at it. Yes. Yeah, so um we were talking about Big Daddy being a pimp song. Uh I guess my song is about a woman, uh, and she was. Uh this is off of Little Creatures. Um this I think is the only song off of our list that we'll ever play on the radio um because i've definitely heard it on the radio and honestly nobody could tell me any different about this song it is a perfect little pop song that would i feel good on a summer day and i'm riding my bike or going for a walk and i put my headphones on i'll listen to and she was because it's super upbeat it's super catchy and it's really pleasant to listen to. Um, and then if anybody cares about any sort of music theory uh, out there, I guess this song has a bunch of weird modulation where they shift to a bunch of different keys uh, going from like the, um, just a different, I don't know what they are, but they switch a bunch of different keys in this song, which makes it really weird. I think they switch like, three or four times or something like that. And people think that's really cool, but honestly, it's just a good pop song. So if you want to turn it on.
<laughs> um, so, <clears throat> but uh, but this song is, if you were paying attention to the lyrics, this is a song about a woman that is, that when she like focuses, she can levitate and she spies on her neighbors. Um, and it's a very very strange song. But I guess that the background is is that David Byrne. I think when he was in New York or something, he met uh, somebody. He met a woman that he can, he called like a techie hippie, uh, where she just did LSD all the time and thought she was like on a higher plane of existence or something. And the song, I guess, is making fun of her for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like I said, that to me, that, that music is so upbeat and so catchy. Uh, and with the chorus... Uh, saying it, I don't know, man. I love this song. It's it's so nice. Uh, I, I see what you're talking. I will say to that. <laughs> what do you want to go first, Michael? Yeah, because I I want to clear up what uh, Elio was getting at with the uh, modulation there. Um, the overall key of the song is E major. However, the bridge and the chorus is in F major. The second bridge is in G. And then it switches to B minor and G major throughout it as well. So yeah, musically, just in terms of theory, it goes above and beyond. And you know, as someone who comes around to like math rock and stuff like that, this song hits really hard for me. And I don't know if we can consider it a deep cut, but we'll let it slide. Don't worry about it. We'll let it go. I appreciate I, it. Thank you. I mean, song. it's that's not my fault. That's I'm blaming you two because Andrew. I had my three songs picked that I was going to send them to Andrew. And then he sent me your playlist. And I was like, really guys, this is what you do to me. You pick every song. <laughs> well, here it is. It only appeared 54 on the billboard hot 100 in the U S. So, so no, it's in terms of when, when looking at just the talking heads hits, this is probably the deepest cut. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. it's true that, but definitely I'll take it among talking heads. Hits. So, you know, we're going to count it. And, uh, yeah, this is a really fun song too. Um, you know, even though I, I have like a black soul, as everyone probably thinks that I do, um, people might think I'm not able to enjoy music as cheery as this, but I can. And uh, that's definitely the, the term that were the first popped in my head when I heard this. It's a very cheery, happy, upbeat song uh, with apparently some very bizarre lyrics. So when you mentioned like spying on our neighbors, I feel like this is like a like a song that conspiracy theorists would take then to to like talk about the talking heads predicted or surveillance state or something dumb like that. I don't know, but uh, I make makes me like it even more though, just kind of like oddballness of it. And uh, yeah, it's another reason why talking heads are so great. They can like kind of shove these weird lyrical themes into otherwise unassuming pop songs. Nice. Well, that's, uh, oh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. That, that's a. And, that, and that's why I've drawn to this song. It's because it is, it's such a huge pop song and it's, I always enjoy when a pop song um, puts in lyrics like this, where it's like, you're like, Oh wow. It's cute. It's a cute song about a girl. And then like, when you're paying attention, you're like, the hell's he talking about? Like she's yeah. levitating and she's like seeing her neighbors in the backyard. And then it's even funnier when you realize it's David Byrne making fun of a hippie, yeah. which I, I, I appreciate. Yeah, there's a song of the Counting Crows have like a, a, a song. I think it's from like the greatest hits compilation. They just kind of threw it on there. It's called like 
like Einstein on the Beach, like for an Eggman, or it's like a weird title, but it's like a really fun, like Counting Crows, like pop song. And so you read the lyrics, and it's about like how like Albert Einstein felt like sheer guilt for like creating the atomic bomb. And there's like <laughs> lyrics that are like, like all these shadows lined up against the wall, referring to like the ash marks of body leaves, like after like the like the you know atomic explosion. It's there's some heavy shit, and I and I love when songs kind of do that. So um, I agree, Elio. Um, Anyways, to get out of that weird thing, let's go to uh, Yeah, I mean, shadows on the wall, man. That's fun to know about atomic bombs and what happens to people. Um, but what is also fun is I think your next pick that you got here, Andrew. I I, I, I don't know. I, I'm never sure about like, a lot of the things that come out of my mouth on the show, but that's okay. We're, 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 we're going to go to the last song. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's from more songs about buildings and food. Another, I wouldn't say maligned album in the talk and its discography, but definitely overlooked, especially when we consider like the big like Brian Eno trilogy that this band has, you know, records that are produced by legendary music musician and producer Brian Eno. Um, or, you know, obviously it's more songs about building some food than fear of music than remain in light. Um, I, my favorite of the three is this one, which is weird because people I think would consider this album, the weakest length of those three records and not not that i'm showing shade of remaining light and free music both were great records but this is the one that i personally kind of edge out over those other two and uh i I don't know exactly why my best guess is because i mean before this this is their second album more songs uh and before you had the 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 title track which is the sorry the self-titled record talking heads 77 whatever it's called um and you know it's fine you know obviously psycho killers on there and that's a classic but uh you know looking back on it it's not it's really the production's really rough and not always you know like a cool way that like you know early debuts could have it's it is kind of feels like they're it's not quite there to kind of like meet their vision oh, there's a lot of like filler track songs you can easily cut like i don't know like the, the debut is probably my least favorite talking heads record if i had to pick it overall which i know might controversial to some people that's just how i feel um but you know there was there is still some of that kind of like early punk art rock charm that that record has that i will give it and i feel like some of that carries over to this record but it's also kind of a transition to the more polished stuff that you get with um you know something like fear and music which obviously is what follows this record and i I think that's the reason why i really like more songs about buildings and food it kind of has this mix of like they're starting to get polished but not quite so there's still some of that like early like dirty charm that like the first record has but they're you can definitely tell they're much better songwriters much more better song crafters overall on this and brian eno's influence is definitely a big mark on this so i think for all those reasons is why i really enjoy this album uh and picking a song from here you know that wasn't like find me the river you know take me to the river or the other big hit i think talk something with like angels um bad with song titles sometimes so obviously those are big songs in this record but um picking one uh was kind of difficult but i eventually settled with artists only it has this kind of weird uh weird kind of rhythm to it if i remember correctly and it just uh the lyrics i want to say are about like struggling artists or you know pop over pompous overconfident artists who really have no business being <laughs> pompous or overconfident you know um definitely a really really solid track that i feel is kind of skipped over sometimes so let's hear a bit of artists only Thank you. 
I'm sorry. I was just gonna say, in terms of like, uh, like a soundscape that that song makes, I think that's like the. I think of all the ones that we picked, I think that's the one that I found most interesting. Just of how I hate using this word word because it kind of has like a bad connotation, but but it's strange. Like it's it's a strange intro. Uh, that's that's really odd and it just creates like a cool soundscape um where it's uh, i don't know what uh, what else to say it's I, I found it the most interesting song of any of our picks yeah absolutely I'll, I'll go with you on that and say the bright guitars on this just stand out perfectly burns vocals of course are just on point um i was actually going to pick artists only andrew for my list before i eventually came around on a uh, on a live track we'll hear in a few minutes but um if you want a more focused uh lyrical interpretation here this song was written about uh burns art school days he went to an art school in rhode island i believe and the lyrics when he's saying you know cleaning out he, he you know he's talking about his frustration of being and, and going through art school and basically cleaning out his brain of ideas because of such a torturing experience art school must be. But uh, yeah, I, I really like this a lot because it's it's kind of playful in the lyrics, but it can really become an artist's anthem um, for how much experimentation is all over this track. Well, and the fact that- it, My take on that then, my bad, everyone. <laughs> no, you're good. I think, uh, I think the fact that this- is considered a deep cut it's pretty criminal but uh yeah that would be my thoughts i love this song loved it, yeah, I almost picked it. So. all right it, i think it's your turn michael yeah we are going to round out our picks with uh my last song here which is a song a lot of people might know it's called drugs um this song kind of stood out um on remain in light as being a sorry i want to ch double check to make sure it's on remain in light um no it's not i think it's actually on it's off of uh, fear of music fear of music that's right but they were they played this particular version while they were touring remain in light um this is uh off the live album this band is talking heads or something like that. The name of this band is talking heads, um, which is comp comparably to, uh, you know, stop making sense is not the famous live record. Um, a lot of these songs are taken from different tour dates where the live record is taken from, uh, you know, basically one concert film. Right. But um, this particular version of drugs, as opposed to the album version, just creates a beautiful soundscape. I mean, the story behind this song is just beautiful collaboration between Eno and David Byrne. It's the reason why, you know, the talking heads are going to you know, live on for generations and generations is that collaboration between production and songwriting and musicality and lyricism. It's just all there. And uh, this particular li uh, live version of drugs, I think really does it for me. So you guys can give it a listen.
definitely sounds like you're on drugs at some parts. <laughs> uh, it definitely, it, it's it's that that is a a strange song, but it's good. It, it's really great. I like how they're playing around with sort of noise elements in this. I think you know we're starting to really get into the CBG CBGB era of art rock that like lives on for a long time. I mean. I don't want to say this gives me Sonic Youth vibes just for the cop-out, but it really does like it make you understand how this whole scene, this whole generation of music musicians uh, went above and beyond with the experimentation throughout all of their albums, whether that's from Talking Heads to Sonic Youth. Uh, all of them really are just a, memorable, and I think Drugs really represents that not only for their the recreational activities they probably did in the green room CBGBs, but just, you know, making you feel that way as well, really putting you in their shoes. Right. Yeah. I think I, I love that you picked this song because, uh, uh, like you said, kind of a, just in terms of like, um, the, the sound that the song makes, I, I love that it's, you have the, the regular music flowing throughout, but then they just put in those, weird kind of peppered in odd sounds in it which is which are super cool which is just great yeah um i don't know i really like the weird rhythm to it i i think we have a rather lot of like uh we had some mid-tempo songs you know i i guess mine but mine was like kind of a hero slow song if you want to call it that but yeah, I don't know. This is a really, just like I said, really odd rhythm to it. Um, definitely, at least it's actually closed out. Uh, Fear and music, correct? Um, might be. A, yeah, I mean, originally it closed out that record. It's just it's an odd thing to have like close a, a Talking Heads record, but I think it works really well. So, yeah, no, it's a good good live recording, good song. But I don't have anything else to say. Mike, do you do you know you're you're more of a somebody who knows like the music theory of it is it in like a weird time signature or like a weird key or anything like that i'm really not the music theory oh, okay never mind then <laughs> but uh <laughs> i don't know i could definitely figure that out for you but the um i i it definitely gives that vibe too just from like mm-hmm. how it meanders in that first part and then expands into that soundscape it it makes you feel like you're almost in a math rock jazz kind of soundscape i guess is the best way to put it um i would love to see a music theorist or just someone that knows that a lot better their opinion on this particular song yeah i was just curious because that song has always struck me as like the the one that i'm I'm sure that they do it on a lot of different songs but like that one is just like no it's noticeable that it sounds different and it's got a different beat to it than what I guess like American music goers would be uh, accustomed to. So I was just wondering. Yeah. No, I mean, you're touching on a good point just about talking heads in general, like the way they incorporate rhythm into all of their music um, kind of inspired by first, you know, African beats and then going to, you know, Spanish rhythm and, and flamenco music in their later records. It's a band that incorporated sounds from all over the world and, and kind of put them in this New York art rock, um, kind of film it was i i can't say enough about this band and i'm so glad we redid this episode because now i'm going back 
with so much more appreciation on the story of this band, how this sound came to be developed the way that it is, and the longevity that it still has. The fact that we're talking about it in a podcast in 2021 says a lot. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. Those are kind of my closing thoughts. I guess we're getting into that section. So I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback off of you. Uh, you were mentioning all the different uh, styles of music and genres that they really drew from. And I, the thing that I've always liked is that, uh, like you were saying, they, they pulled from like flamenco, the African uh, rhythm, and kind of the, it, it, it seems like it's, it's all the genres and everything that they, all the genres that they pulled from were rhythm forward uh, musics where it's obviously those like flamenco, you know, everybody thinks of a flamenco guitar that that's out in the open. But like, when you think about it, it's, it's a rhythm and like you put percussions behind it where the percussion is driving what the kind of the guitar is responding to. And, you know, flamenco is also a dance. So it's like, it's really with the rhythm for how people are supposed to respond to it. I think that's one of the great things about talking heads is that they took, um, those those kind of things because it's they're they're more unique to us where if if we're talking about american music uh it's it's always hey it's guitar forward or it's singing forward something like that and talking heads really picked uh the rhythm section to really drive their music even though you know the drums may not do something crazy but they're really the ones that that are really driving what everybody else is doing and, and bringing to the table yeah I mean, based off rhythm, it's no wonder why a lot of people have come around to sample the talking heads. Just looking it up real quick, you got Jay-Z, Selena Gomez, you got Arcade Fire, you got you know Tom Jones, CeeLo Green. Like A lot of people come back around to this music because of the intricacies in rhythm, um, which I think are going to really stand the test of time. Andrew, final thoughts? Um, yeah, you know, and I, I agree. You know, I hear, um, you know, obviously I know a lot of people have covered this band as well. You know, I, I in fact, you mentioned Tom Jones. I think Car- the Cardigans and Tom Jones did a particularly odd and not entirely great version of Burning Down the House, which you can go look up if you want um, for everyone there. Uh, although I would just strongly recommend just check out the Cardigans' entire discography instead because they're great. But, um, no, I, I think the Talking Heads are, are I mean, yeah, I, I, I've definitely become a much bigger fan since we first talked about them. And yeah, I mean, they're, I mean, they're, they're a staple, they're a staple of music and uh, music history. And, you know, hell, my, I was just earlier, I was just playing it, you know, um, you know, some Talking Heads, you know, particularly a lot of uh, stuff from the Can't Stop Making Sense concert film, you know, over on YouTube. My dad has this like friend over right now. Um, and, you know, they're not like huge new wave fans. They're not like huge like alternative rock fans, except for maybe some like grunge from like the nineties. But hell, my dad's friend was like, "Yeah, I love Psycho Killer. I love love watching the stuff from like uh, stop you know stop making sense." You know, I, I think there is this accessibility, this ever present so much in in any even general music you know fans consciousness. So yeah, um, Doc Nets, good. That's what I'm gonna. Finish my thoughts off. Uh, there, my friend. 
Thanks so much for coming on this episode, Elio. We can uh, move into our recommendation section, which you are all too familiar with. So I think you can go first. Yeah, so I know that we just recommended a whole lot of music um, that people might not listen to, but uh, I am going to recommend Deftones 2020 album Ohms, uh, just the whole album, uh, because one, I love Deftones. I enjoy the fact that they're still making music kind of as good as they were. All of their albums are spectacular, and this one is no different. Um, and this one, it really kind of goes all over the place in terms of like you have some really low lows and some really high highs in terms of some slower songs. You have slower songs or songs that start slow um, and have a really kind of ethereal sound to them. And then you always have the awesome Deftones uh, screaming uh, and the super powerful riffs, which are just a million uh, power chords, because I think I think that's all that they all that the guitar player knows is just power chords. But for whatever, whatever he can keep doing it because those riffs are heavy and they're awesome. So I think that the first song that I picked was um, Genesis off of the album, which is the first song. Uh, Mike, if you want to give us a little sample. first song genesis it like i said it, it starts you off in that weird low ethereal place because he's literally singing about um i'm trying to think about it i think it's partly off of like the genesis of the universe or like genesis of life where like there's aliens and stuff it's a super weird song um but yeah like you guys heard starts super slow it's weird and then they just flip that switch and they go into your classic Deftones with a huge heavy riff. He's screaming about something and it's just a perfect, uh, it's a perfect example of what Deftones brings to the table. Uh, and then I think the second song that I asked was Ohms. That one you can just play from the beginning because it sounds cool. Can do.
yeah, they bring some badass riffs to the table. They bring some cool vocals, cool lyrics. Um, I know, Mike, you can hear the songs pretty clearly right now, but Andrew, I know that if your audio is anything like what I was hearing, it sounded pretty garbage. <laughs> uh, did you did you enjoy either of those songs? Did you think either of them were good, or do you not really? Like I, them? I I I know. I definitely, I've definitely had a good sampling of Deftones over the years, and I mean that pretty much sounds like. Well, I would expect from the Deftone, and it's pretty awesome. I, I have to say, I really like the intro to to Ohms. That was a, uh, yeah, that was cool. I, I I see where you're coming from, Elio. I haven't listened. Hey, that's got staps. I'll give you that. It's, it's definitely better than that. I'm sorry. I was just I was just gonna say, hey, I got the the Andrew seal of approval on my music. I can die tonight and be mm-hmm. happy knowing. Yeah, I got yeah. that on it. Something you never got when you were on the podcast. Hey, never. No, come on. Hey, I feel your pain. Andrew. Uh, what, what did you think about it, Mike? I, I haven't listened to Deftones in a hot second. So, you know, coming back to those like crushing riffs, and the screaming vocals, and just everything. I mean, it's like I'm back in eighth grade again, man. I, I, it's, and that's not a bad thing. I really. I really do need to check this band out more. And the um, the cover of this album got me particularly interested because I kept getting it confused for a vaporwave artist I'm really into called Dan Mason. So I accidentally put this on one day and I was like, this is not what I was looking for. But so, you know, a surprise for sure, but a welcome one. I will this say is, this is trash and not the trash I'm used to. Why, <laughs> why is this play? <laughs> you, get my, you get me, Elliot. So, well, speaking about trash, Andrew, what did you bring us? <laughs> That's the guy who has Scott Stapp, like five of them behind you, Scott Stapp posters. I have I have three, nope, four uh, signed Scott Stapp posters. They're signed, me. too. They're signed. I thought you under, did, were you, I, I'm surprised he was able to understand you when you asked him to sign that. You, <laughs> you have to talk in his language. It goes, ah, rah, 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 rah. like you have to sell like that in order for him to understand you. Ha ha. Yeah. Big yeah. joke. Anyways. Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> my pick. Yes. Thank, thank you, Elio, for the warm introduction to my recommendation. Uh, mine equally as uh, sludgy and noisy and, Brazive and awesome as uh, the Deftones, I would say. Milk Teeth, they're a, uh, they were actually a four-piece, sometimes three-piece uh, British, um, you know, kind of punky noise rock group from, uh, well, why is it Britain, uh, that actually recently broke up, unfortunately. I was just, like, kind of looking at their bio real quick, and unfortunately they broke up, sometime, like, in September of last year. They didn't say why. I'm guessing COVID, probably a good excuse as any, uh, which is weird because they had released their uh, second album earlier in the year. Uh, but there's certainly a lot to explore with Milk Tate. They have two. They have they have two studio records plus the like four EPs or something stupid. Like they have a lot. They still have a lot of stuff you can check out. And uh, they, they they for like the brief period they were from like they were active from like the mid 2010s to uh, just last year. They um, I think really came to their own and something really cool. Um, I really like this band a lot. And I don't know if I've recommended them on this show before. I might have, but I don't think. But in case I haven't, I wanted to make sure I did so before I graduated. So um, I want to play um, a song from, I believe, their very first EP. I'm going to 
fact check on air that I am right. Yes, the first very first EP, Sad Sad Sack, it's from 2015. It's the first track. It's called Vitamins. Kick it, Michael. Let's hear it. the just juxtaposition between like those really like silky like whispery kind of like vocals mixed with uh um that crushing guitar uh what do you guys think of that i really enjoyed that yeah i mean that's that's just a classic andrew pick bringing some, <laughs> some awesome good you know crushing not punk per se but this is i don't know what it, what genre is this this is this I, I don't know what um it's not like, pretty punky yeah what? it is Fair, it is punky, yeah. Uh, uh, Wikipedia says they're a punk rock band, and who, who am I to argue with Wikipedia? So, like, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's what they I wrote mean. all my papers in college, so they're the authority. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, they, they, I'd say they're a satellite member of the punk genre. That, that's what I would say they are. Good stuff. Do you like yeah, that? Audio? Yeah, no, I really liked that. That was cool. I liked them. Is their whole whole uh, discography good, or is there yeah, something I should? Yeah, I mean, like uh, there are studio records. There's probably some filler here and there, but like overall, I think they're really solid. Band, yeah, really solid right. stuff. So, anyways, Michael, your turn to round this off. What weird stuff have you brought to today? Is it more Steve Reich? No, it's not more Steve Reich. I promise, but it's still equally cool. I discovered this yesterday. My Discover Weekly on Spotify was actually good for once. And it brought me this amazing Alabama-based uh, instrumental surf rock band called Daikaiju. Um, you'd think that is the uh, weirdest phrase I've ever heard you say, we, Michael. We were just talking about trash, though, Mike. Oh no! Wait until you <laughs> I'm kidding. It. I'm kidding. It's it is so cool that what they do is surf rock. It's like surf rock if, as if it was in like a Neo Tokyo setting, and like Godzilla was destroying everything in the background. It's so fucking cool uh i won't get into the specifics of the band because i'm still getting well versed in this i've listened to the album that this came off of called phase two um uh, i think a lot of their music is meant to be sort of um played against sort of a movie or a film or something like that i bet the music videos for this band is just on point but only fifty-eight thousand listeners on spotify so i don't even know if they have music videos all I, need, all I know is that you guys got to hear this song called Escape from Nebula M Space Hunter.
Dale's memory lives on, ripping it in front of kaiju monsters. Yeah, that's really cool. That was a, that was ten out of ten. If if you kind of like this, uh, I recommend Spindrift. Spindrift. Who are yes. they? Who are they all? They are uh, another instrumental band that kind of does this surf rock. The way that I got into them, um, I'm just trying to make sure that it is. Yes, it's it's all one word. The way that I got into them is they have an album called Legend of the Gun. I mean, the Legend of God's Gun. Um, and I don't know if anybody remembers, I really like Western music and spaghetti Western stuff. And it is an instrumental album um, that is Western music, but is like they do surf rock stuff. Uh, and it's really cool. Some of the songs, and then they, they have other albums that uh, I think if you like this song about Daikaiju, you would like Spindrift. Sweet. Yeah, thank you. I just I just love the concept behind this and like the artwork, the album cart artwork just fits perfectly. And literally all the songs on this record are just equally as punchy and like just experimental and awesome. So yeah, strongly recommend Daikaiju. Um, we are nearing the end of the episode. Um Andrew, what? <laughs> what, what, what do you want to do next? <laughs> we can pitch next week's episode. We can. We, we've been kind of on and off with episodes lately. So. Yeah, it's been yeah, episodes getting rough. Uh, I'm starting my first big boy job on Monday, so things will even get more hectic for me. But I still want to squeeze out a few more episodes we have this season. So far, I think we have three more episodes planned uh, before the season's over. Uh, next one being something very new for me. Uh, in fact, this is like a bit of an interesting episode because it's about not only really just a genre of music, but a, but trying to get one particular person, i.e. me, into that genre of music. Uh, ben and Michael are going to get me a playlist together, and I'm going to so we're going to see if Andrew Mullen in the year of our Lord 2021 can finally get fully into into rap and hip hop. I'm really looking forward to this. I, I, I'm really excited to see what you guys bring, brought to the table. I've slowly been letting it come into my into my musical consciousness. You guys have been suggesting me some stuff I should listen to. My girlfriend's been recommending has been recommending me some hip hop uh, over the past few months. So um, yeah, uh, this should be a really fun episode. Are you looking forward to it, Michael? Of course I am. I've been looking forward to it since I was a freshman. Um, <laughs> Now I think we can end the episode. Thanks so much for coming on, Elio, man. You don't know how much it means to not only have you back on, but have you redo an episode that we yes. lost. And eventually, Michael, I think you'll have to promise Elio eventually a Mastodon episode. I know he's been asking me for it for a little bit, so I'm sure he would appreciate that. That that was the one that I, I wanted to do, and I remember telling Andrew, I was like, oh, what about a Mastodon album? And Andrew was just like, no. I, uh, I never <laughs> said no. I've I asked you several times what episodes you wanted to do, and you never you did not definitively say master. Oh, you know what? You know what the, the one that I really threw out there was I think it was tool or something, and you were just like, no, let's not do tool. We did do tool. I, we did do Oh tool. yeah, you did you did get you did I do tool. against doing tool. I don't know. I don't know. Eh, let's do a let's do a Creed Scott Stapp. Uh, episode. Okay, now then, that's the one I shot down for sure. I would have definitely shot down Creed Scott and Sap. Whatever. Okay, but uh, I, I appreciate being back. Thanks for uh, redoing this episode with me. It means a lot that you guys uh, uh, God, what is it? 
three years now since I've been yeah. in school. Scary. Uh, yeah, Do three years since I've really been three years now. <laughs> yeah, that I've been back, and I, I appreciate it. I had a lot of fun, guys. Thanks. Oh yeah, thanks, Elio. And with that, oh, we can yeah. end the episode with a good old fashioned good night, Detroit. Good night, Detroit. Pink confetti, shotgun wedding, rocket secrets, someone shredding.